pretty excited about today. Um, first and foremost, I do need to add some things to the announcement video. Um, this coming up Saturday is a youth conference, and I would love um, for everyone in the house to be in prayer that God does some great things. It's called the Go and Grow Conference. Um, we, if you want your student there, listen, you want them there. Um, this conference is a little bit different than your normal conferences. I call most conferences a come to Jesus conference. You know what I'm saying? Like we bring our kids in and they're going to, you know, come to Jesus. Now this will do the same thing. The only difference is there's, this conference is dedicated to making your child into a disciple or a missionary. And we are going to give them tools and, and direction on how to reach students in their schools. So that's what this conference is all about. So if you want to um, get your kids signed up, just let me know. I'd love to have them there. Um, I'm actually doing a, a breakout session myself. Uh, David Rosenblum, who's one of the, I love his voice. He's a great worship pastor. He's actually going to be speaking as well, and along with a couple of others. And you just don't want to miss it if you're a student. Also, real quick, if you want to help, if you're an adult and you have Saturday off, or um, Friday, we can even use you. Um, Friday, we're going to be unloading some stuff that we're going to, and then packing. So at 12, we'll be unloading a car. And then at 2.30, we're going to stuff bags, um, stuff bags with Bibles, literature, T-shirts, and stuff like that. So we'd love to have you um, help us out. And then, of course, all day Saturday, I've reached out to Jake already. And, um, but we need a couple of guys to kind of be the strong arms, what I call them, you know, to keep kids from running out because we'll have kids from all over Georgia. And um, sometimes they don't have the best intentions, um, but we can help that, right? And then, of course, greeters, uh, and it's just people that are here to help um, all the new people feel comfortable in the place, in the house. So if you want to help out, just come see me. I would love to have you help. Um, thank you so much. I do not take this pulpit lightly. When pastor asked me to preach, I understand that to me, Pastor John is one of the best communicators I have ever met. And I know a lot of communicators. I would pick Pastor John over a lot of them. So when I'm actually having to follow up in his footsteps, it's very intimidating to me because of how I aspire to be like him. And um, first of all, I want to thank you. If you knew I was speaking today and you're here, thank you so much for coming. Um, and if you're here and you thought Pastor John was going to speak. I also want to say I apologize ahead of time, but thank you for being here, and hopefully you'll stay with us. Um, I am going to try to be a little bit more in-depth than I normally am. As a youth pastor, you know, I like to kind of, I don't know, spoon-feed the kids a little bit. Now, I don't, you know, baby food them, but, you know, I'm not, you know, cutting up a steak and throwing pieces at them. I want them to, to really grow. So the best way to do that is to kind of get in their wheelhouse so today what I'm hoping is that I'm a little bit more and I, and I can reach the adults a little bit. And if you see me in my notes, it's because I have slaved over this, this wonderful lesson. It's called, <laughs> What in the Wilderness? Now, yes, that is kind of a teenager-y uh, title of my lesson, but that's about as teenager as you're going to get the whole lesson. But what in the wilderness? I've actually said what in the world before when something is going right. You know, well, this is the same thing. I'm going to start off with how awesome last Sunday was. Is Was it not awesome? 
Um, to have a testimony, amen, if I heard some of y'all clapping, I mean, to have a testimony, it is an amazing thing. In fact, I was reading through the, God's word, and it says that we are made overcomers by the words of our testimony. And so when we hear someone's testimony, all that does is build our faith. It builds us up so that we can overcome things. Now, some of you might be like, well, I didn't have that issue. Well, that ain't what God said. He didn't say, by the words of the, that, you'll overcome their issue that they overcome. No, it says we become overcomers by the word of that testimony. And so I was sitting there thinking about it, and, and, the, and you know, the devil's advocate in my mind, the devil's, I like to say that he likes to throw little kinks and little roadblocks and little problems up. And, and the first thing I thought about was like, yeah, but as soon as, as soon as God calls you something, you know that it's not that easy. I heard that in my mind. I was like, yeah, that is true. That is true. In fact, there's all throughout the Bible. I remember in Exodus 16, God called the Israelites out. Moses brought them out of Egypt. But did they step directly into the promised land? No, they stepped directly into what? Wilderness. They stepped into wilderness. And as, as that was going through my mind, I was like, yes, you know what? That's exactly what we do. You see, when God is moving you from one place to another, there's usually a wilderness. In fact, I wrote a, um, a, a thing. Um, when there is always a wilderness between coming out of where you are, that rut the devil has you in, and moving into God's plan. You see, when I start thinking about wilderness, what I do is I, I actually think first, of course, about like an experience I had as in the wilderness. And of course, the first one I think about is um, when I was at Lee University, there was a place called Eagles Rock. Now, y'all probably don't know anything about it because I think we named it Eagles Rock. I don't think its real name was that, but it was near Chattanooga. And you know how they got the mountains in Chattanooga. There's Lookout Mountain and Signal Mountain and all that. Well, somewhere out there, I could, probably couldn't even take you back to it, but I went all the time when I was in there at Lee University. It was a place we called Eagles Rock. The reason we call it Eagles Rock is one, it was extremely high. Like when you got to this place, it was really, really high. In fact, it was a dirt road. I never knew there was actually dirt numbered roads. Like Route 18 or whatever it was, dirt road up this mountain. And, and it was not, I mean, it even said need four-wheel drive in some places. You know, but my um, roommate had a Jeep Wrangler. So he always let me drive it. I took off to Eagles Rock with some friends and we got up there. And um, it takes, you know, a good little amount of time. It's not easy trek. We get up there, you have to get out of the car, and guess what? Go climbing. And, um, and so we would go climb up this mountain, and we'd get to this place. And there's a place up there that's probably the size of this stage right here that's solid rock, but on it's on top. I think it's the highest place in that area. Because when you stand, you see for miles. I felt like I could see the Macon. It was that high. And um, the reason I call, we called it Eagle's Rock that I can remember is because there was an eagle that lived up there. He nested up there, and we would see him flying over that vast awesomeness. And the coolest part wasn't just getting up there during the day. It was at night. And um, we would get up there during the day because it's kind of a sketchy trail, you know, to get up there climbing this mountain. And we would wait until it would get our twilight and it would get dark. And we would just sit there and just sit in awe because for miles you could see the flickering lights of Chattanooga. You could see the towns. I think you could see Atlanta if you really look. I actually told the guys I could spot Stone Mountain. I don't know if I believed it, but that's like a two-hour drive to Stone Mountain. But I was like, I think that's it. If I had a telescope. But 
it was amazing. But that was my first experience with wilderness because guess what happens when you finally say, we need to go? You had to climb down the mountain in the dark. You had to experience true wilderness because there isn't anything for miles. In fact, I remember us climbing down one time. I don't know, do y'all remember Wade telling a story about him falling in the mountain? Like he said, he went kayak or something. I don't know, he went mountain climbing. I don't remember, he fell. I actually almost did the same thing that one of those nights. I, almost, I slid down the rock, you know, into a, a ravine. Thankfully, I slid, unlike Wade who fell. You know, I guess that's what makes me a little bit better. I'm just kidding. I, but I slid, and um, one of my friends was like, oh, my Lord, you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. I can't tell. I'm, you know, I can't see. It's pitch black. I think I'm okay. He's like, are you bleeding? I said I can't see. He's like, I don't know if I'm bleeding. But I got down there, and then I, it was funny because they're like, we're going to come to you. You don't move because you might have broke something. Okay. So I'm not moving. But guess while I'm waiting for them, I could promise you I heard every animal in the world. No lie. I, don't, I think there were bears, and I could see them, but I really couldn't because it was black. But I was like, there's some eyes. There's some right over there. Hooray! You know, I see something. There's some wolves. And then, um, I don't know, I was seeing things. I even think I saw the devil. Like, I was like, here he is. <laughs> Lucifer himself. <laughs> Finally, my friends came. And guess what? One of them ran to the Jeep and grabbed a flashlight. Smart one. Um, and so we actually had light from that point on. And I was fine. I didn't even have a, all I had was where your hands slid see the lord is good right but that that was a scary moment i I experienced silence and loneliness when they were when i was by myself i i I experienced fear from things i couldn't see from the untamed animals that there was so many things going on that I i faced this wilderness and that was my first real experience with an external type wilderness a carnal wilderness but you know i also experienced wilderness in another way and i'm going to try to speed up through this but you know where I experienced the worst wilderness was when I was sitting in Dr. Brecker's office. And our first son was having trouble inside Sarah's womb. And we had just had tons of tests done. We could see that our baby was missing a kidney. The other kidney was large. And um, bigger than the bladder, which is, if you know, kidneys are nowhere near the size of a bladder. And Dr. Brecker, who is the best in the world, he in fact flew in from England to look at Christian. And he looked at me and Sarah and said, listen, this is the bad news. Your son's either going to be stillborn or he's going to die after He's born due to the fact he has no renal function at all. No kidneys, you know, no kidney function. And from that point to birth was a wilderness. Well, let me take that back. Let me rewind. From that point until the Lord confirmed something was a wilderness. You see, because I was alone I didn't know what was coming. In fact, do you see what I'm describing? I'm describing the same thing I felt when I was on the side of that cliff, that mountain. I felt the darkness. I felt, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going on. And God promised us the boy that was there and and what's going on. The Lord's not with me either. And that, I believe, is why it felt so rough to me is because 
I knew my friends were coming for me in the mountainside. But I felt like the Lord wasn't even there at that moment. That's true wilderness. You see, the wilderness is a place of danger. It's a place of emptiness. It's a place of temptation. It's a place of chaos, solitude. It's a place of testing. It's a a place of fasting, sometimes even nourishment. A place of revelation, dryness, wandering, judgment, sometimes even death. You see, the reason why that was a barren place is because I felt like God wasn't there until I have to tell you my miracles part of that story before we move on. We were in an actual revival service. Does anybody remember what that is? <laughs> and um, I was a worship pastor slash youth pastor at Jeffersonville Church of God. Dr. Brecker met with us, I think it was on a Tuesday. This was a Thursday or Friday. I don't remember. It was near the weekend. And um, we're sitting up there. And the evangelist that was on stage had finished up service. And he had been, he, it was about healing, if you want to know the service was about that. Of course, we haven't mentioned to anyone about what Dr. Brecker said on Tuesday or Monday. Nobody. I think maybe one parent. The other parent didn't even know because they're out of town. And, um, the evangelist, Mark Lowry, he says, you know what? Where's that youth pastor? He calls me to the front. He says, listen, I want to tell you something. The Lord's been putting my spirit, and he told me to tell you this. I'm like, yes, sir. All right, while that's happening, all of a sudden, the pianist starts playing Healing Rain, if you know that song. So he, she starts playing it, and he starts speaking. He says, listen, you're faced with some news that nobody knows, and I'm going, okay, this guy's serious, you know, and he says, and I want to let you know that I don't know what it is, but I do know that God told me to tell you that he's got his hands on it. Don't you worry about it. It's going to be fine. Yep, and so, so that's going to, that that is where this is coming from. I want you to know. It comes from the part that I've actually been in the wilderness. I've actually been in the place where I felt like God wasn't anywhere. I felt like even as a pastor, if I told you I was a worship pastor and a youth pastor, I still felt like God was not there. And that's where this lesson is coming from. I hope you're okay with that introduction. It's kind of long. But if you would, I'm going to pray real quick for me. And if you would, I'd love for you to pray for me as well. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you one for the wilderness. Um, sometimes it sneaks up on you and sometimes you know it's coming. But Lord, God, I'm thanking you for it because I know what it produces. Right now, Lord, I ask that you speak through me because you are the one that does life change. Your anointing is requested now. I'm nothing but a broken, flawed vessel. But Lord God, with you, you can do anything. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in this place. Amen. All right, so I, what I want to do is I want to talk to you a little bit about the Israelites. Now that I've gave you a little bit of my back history, let's, let's go to the Bible. Well, see, the Israelites were called, by, um, you know, called out of Egypt, right? And God promises the Israelites a land flowing with milk and honey. And they were looking forward to the beauty of that place. But the wilderness does not have those things. See, 
Time in the wilderness means we're facing wilderness struggles. We're going to face wilderness hardships, and we're going to have wilderness questions. I mean, if you think about it, I remember reading through the Israelite this story, and they're, they're, they're caught up in this wilderness, and all of a sudden, they're yearning for the past, right? At least we had onions and leeches. That sounds gross. It sounds nasty. And, it, and then I'm reading it going, you're an idiot, right? I mean, yes, you are not eating what you thought, but you're at least going to that place. And I see it, and I understand it, but you got to remember, I'm not living it. And if you think about it, they're in the wilderness where they're feeling like I did when I was on the side of that mountain. Or maybe as I felt when I was wondering what the doctor meant by saying that he ain't going to be live, a live boy. By the way, that boy was Christian. So I can understand when I start to put myself in the place of me maybe in that, you know, that I can be like, well, you know what? Why, why did the Israelites so bad want to go back? Well, it's because they felt deserted. They felt alone. They felt like no one cared. And think about it. Having something there that's familiar is not always bad, Right? I mean, think about it in your past, the sin that you were in. Even the Bible says that sin is good for a season. That means we're going to have a good time for a little while. And what times do you usually remember? The good times. You see, the Israelites had those familiar things back home. They had order. You know what? In chaos, it was order. So they felt like, you know, they go to bed this time, they get up this time. And you know what else, too? That's what they knew as home at the time. So they felt like they had no home in the wilderness. So I'm telling you, that's why they were saying, at least we can go back. Maybe there's something familiar. There's, it's a home. There's order. Here it's chaos. We don't know what's going on. We can't keep the manna because it gets gross. The wilderness can be scary. The wilderness can be wild. It could be untamed. It could be unpredictable. It can be unfamiliar. It could be filled with danger. But I want you to remember one thing about wilderness. Wilderness is only temporary. Wilderness is just the connector. And when you're in the wilderness, I've got three things I want to point to you to help you through it. One, listen to this. God leads his children to the wilderness and in the wilderness. I'm going to repeat it. God leads his children to the wilderness and in the wilderness. You see, God intentionally leads his children into the wilderness. He don't stop paying attention to you. He don't drop you off and let you go. He is there with you. He is walking with you. In fact, I was looking through the verses and I found other places. Listen to this. God led the Israelites into the wilderness. He led Elijah and David and Jacob into the wilderness. Listen to this. He led Jesus into the wilderness. And where God leads, he also provides. When God led Israel into the desert, he gave them fresh manna every morning. You see, God fed Elijah meat and bread through ravens and provided safety for the men of David. And when Jesus had fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, God sent angels to take care of him. You see, God don't leave you alone. He is with you. Number two, I'm going through them pretty fast, ain't I? Beat that, Jason. And God reveals himself in the desert. Did y'all get that? God reveals himself in the wilderness. I'm sorry. Did y'all get that? 
And when I think about my wilderness experience, I'm in the middle of it, and God revealed himself through the evangelist. He, the prayers I was praying at night, he said, I got you. It was in the wilderness that God appeared to Moses from a burning bush on the far side of the desert. God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and revealed himself as, listen to this, the I am, a name he had not even revealed to the patriarchs. If you think about it, Exodus 6, 3 says this, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known unto them. So to them, what was it? He was the God Almighty. But to you, I'm the Lord. I don't know. This, I feel like he's trying to get more personal as God moves through the Bible. It was in the wilderness that God revealed himself to the Hebrews as the bread of heaven, the living water, the holy one, the lawgiver, the rock. And it was in the wilderness that God took Moses to the top of the mountain where he displayed his glory and proclaimed himself, Exodus 34, 6, the Lord, the Lord God. The compassionate graces, slow to anger, abounding in loving devotion and truth, maintaining loving devotion to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. You see, sometimes God is taking you out of Egypt, and God is taking Egypt out of you. God carried them into the wilderness so that they could be a part of the influences that Egypt had on them. You see, we want the promised land or the promised of God, but God knows that if we try to enter the promised land with our old ways and old thinking, our old behaviors, that we will inevitably spoil it. We'll mess up. I've got a list here of things that I wrote down. I want to go through them. The uncertainties of the wilderness create a need for God and the dependence upon God. Did y'all get that? The uncertainties of the wilderness create a need for God and a dependence upon God. God lets you do without so you can come to know him as your provider. You see, God lets you be lonely so that you can come to know him as your friend. You see, God lets you be frightened and worried so that you can come to know him as your peace. God lets you be weak so that you can know his strength. In the wilderness, God reveals himself. In the darkness of the wilderness, he's your light. In the confusing maze of the wilderness, you learn to let him be your God. In the wilderness, he separates you from the influences of the world so that you can learn to depend on him. And God will be faithful to you in whatever wilderness you're facing just as he was when he led the people out of Egypt. Think about this. Not sure if I'm pronouncing the name right. But Kadesh Barnea was on the border of the promised land. And it was intended that the children of Israel would the children of Israel would go from Egypt to there. Do you know how far of a travel it was to walk from Egypt to that place, the promised land? This blew me away when I actually found it out. It was eleven days walk. Eleven days. But it took them how long? Forty years. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, if I was walking in a circle enough that I would probably be pretty frustrated too. I could see things happening in my life where I'm like, Lord, you don't love me at all. Like, I have walked around. It should take 11 days. Here it is, five years, and we still, and I didn't even know there's another 35. You know what I mean? Like, this is crazy. (laughs) I could see me mad at, you know, day 14. 
what? 11 days, we're three days late. <coughs> I want you to know that God, this is the, the point is that he reveals himself in the desert or in the wilderness or in the place where you find yourself. God reveals himself there. For instance, even though it's 40 years, how many pairs of shoes did they go through? It says they didn't none. It says they wore the same outfit that never wore out. They always had food. They always had drink. They were always led by a cloud during the day and what? A cloud of fire by night. God shows himself no matter what you're in. You just have to recognize that he is putting you through. And if you can recognize that he's there, then you can make it through. I've caught myself saying this prayer many times. Lord, whatever I'm supposed to learn, help me learn it quick. Have y'all ever prayed that prayer? Like, not like, Lord, what has happened to me? You forsake me. No, no, now I know he's there. I'm just like, Lord, why am I so stupid that I can't get this done so we can move on? Because I want to learn what it is because I understand that that's what we're doing here. So help me see what I need to see. Help me to learn what I learned. And I challenge you to say that prayer because when that happens, God starts doing something. He's like, that's my boy right there. He don't have to wonder no more. He can walk straight into where he's going because he knows I'm in charge and he knows I'm trying to get something into him and something out of him. Amen? All right, number three. That was a little longer, wasn't it? I'm sorry. The wilderness is a place of preparation, not permanence. It's a place of uh, preparation, not permanence. God does not intend to park us in desert slash wilderness places of our life. He uses them to develop us and prepare us for places he's leading us to. This pattern is seen over and over in the Bible. God led the Israelites into the wilderness to make them a nation, to give them his law and to show them how to worship, to prepare them for the promised land. God led Jesus into the wilderness where Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days and then he was tempted all before his what? Public ministry. And Paul spent three hidden and quiet years in the desert slash wilderness before any of his missionary journeys. See, the wilderness is not meant to harm you, it's meant to form you. He'll lead you through vast and dreadful wildernesses, that thirsty and waterless land, that it's venomous snakes and scorpions to humble and test you so that in the end, it might go well for you. That's Deuteronomy 8, 15, 16. Did you get that? He leads you into this place. I don't know how many times when I was going through some wildernesses, I was like, Lord, you're going to die here. This is awful. If you take that last part of that verse, he says, humble and test you so that in the end, it might go well for you see he's not intending the negative and bad that you feel like you're you're facing he's intending it for the good i tell my kids all the time over on wednesday nights it's for your good god's got the good in store for you he's got good plans for you because he intends for it to go good god intends for it to go well with us though we're tempted to kick against the wilderness places we can trust that god has led us there and will provide for us there he will reveal himself in ways we've never known otherwise and will use the wilderness to test us and prepare us for the end he already has in mind. Remember this. This is a good one. In fact, it's from Pastor John. Take it down. It says, Pharaoh, don't chase those in Egypt. You get that? Pharaoh don't chase those in Egypt. He only chases those that are trying to get out. Same way with this. The devil's not going to bother you if you're caught up in sin. You're stuck in the rut of what he has for you. But when you start to move toward what God has promises, then he's going to fight. He's going to come after you. And he's going to have the chariots and the whole thing. He's not going to send one guy, hey, go get Chris. He is, I don't know what he's doing. 
No, he's going to be like, I'm, Chris is preaching. We're going to have to do something. Let's get all of hell's demons and let's work on it and let's get him because he's going to give some hope. He's going to give faith. He's going to do some things that we don't want happening. So we're going to fight. But I know that when there's a fight, I'm walking in the right direction. So when you're in the wilderness, you can feel all these things, the loneliness, the the uh, abandonment, the, the depression. There's, I mean, you can put all these negative things. But I want to leave you with some scripture that if you find yourself in these moments, you can lean on these scriptures because they've helped me. And I pray they help you as well. Isaiah 50, 10. Isaiah 50, 10 says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the words of the sermon? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Psalms 126.5 says this, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. I have to stop there. Can I stop for a moment? When I was told that my son would not survive, there were tears shed. When you're first born, it's said that he's not going to be born, or if he does, he's going to die immediately after. There's tears shit because we were like, there's promises made. That, you know, and me and Sarah together, we've cried. But what's crazy is I didn't even think about this scripture. I didn't lean on this word because I was lost in my emotion. And that's when I found the scriptures. Those who sow with tears will reap songs of joy. And so now... I can sing songs of joy. I can, I can sing of God's goodness. I can testify to you that God is going to come through for you because he did for me. Mm, that's good stuff. Joshua 1, five says this, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. What does the last part say? I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll let you walk by yourself sometimes. I might have to go to the bathroom and, uh, and you can just walk for a little while by yourself. No, no, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That needs to echo in your heart and in your mind when the devil says nobody cares about you. Nobody knows you. Nobody hears you. That needs to echo. Say, no, no, no. Joshua 1.5 says totally different. He will never leave me or forsake me. Don't you wish that Job would have said that? Like, I can't imagine, like, you know what I mean? I wish he had that scripture. No, 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 you know this devil. He will never leave me or forsake me. Yes, all this is happening. All this is crumbling around me. Yes, I'm even sick. I got bulls. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Whew. Psalms 34, 19 says, the righteous person may have troubles, but the Lord delivers him from all. What did it say again? Did it say that the righteous don't never face anything? They're so blessed. It actually says the opposite. And it uses the word many. It didn't say a few. The righteous person may have many troubles, but, I love that word here, the Lord delivers them all. 34.9 and 2 Samuel 22 Two through three says this, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, my horn of salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. From violent people, you save me. 
Did you notice it used a lot of like strong words? He's my rock. He's my refuge. He's my, my place. He's my horn of salvation. In every instance, it describes the Lord as something solid that you can depend on. Mm. I can tell you something you can't depend on. And that's the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you're, you know, mixed up in things where you feel like that you can't depend on it, you might be looking at the wrong thing. I'm just, just putting that out there. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10 says, He is faithful. Psalms 27.13-14 says this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Mm. If you feel like the devil's taking you out, that you really are on the end, I want you to just remember this scripture. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's some good stuff. And then, my, and then the last part that says, wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. I mean, sometimes we have to look beyond what we think and what we feel because what we think and what we feel is not what God is doing. If we wait on him, he'll be there. So if I could give you the Cliff Notes wrap-up of my lesson today, a sermon, whatever you want to call it, it's that the wilderness is going to come. The wilderness is going to be there. You're going to face these things. But the one thing that you really need to remember is that God is putting you there on purpose. He's with you while you're there. And if you believe in what's going on, then he's going to teach you something to make you what? Better. He's going to make you a better version. He's going to give you better promises. He's going to fulfill you. I like to even tell the students that when you get through things, what happens is, is God's always there for gifts. He's there for talents. He's there for anointing. And when you go through these things, all he's doing is multiplying it, make it greater, giving it more anointing so that you can be a powerful vessel. I can look at people now when they're faced with someone that says, hey, my baby's not going to make it. That doctor told me, I say, look, I heard the same news. I saw the sonogram myself. I saw the x-rays. I saw the, the things. And let me tell you, he said the best in the world flew in and said that he's going to die. My Lord said he is not going to die. He's going to live. And I've got testimony right now. So the wilderness can scare you, yes. The wilderness can cause you to be hurt. It can cause you to have feelings and emotions. But if you stand firm on the Lord, you can make it. And when you make it, you're better for it. Amen? I'm going to ask um, Brother Charles, if you would, would you come close for us, sir? What a powerful message, amen? Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to dismiss you guys. The reality is this. We have an opportunity to respond to God. Um, every single one of us are in different seasons. Uh, some of us are in wilderness right now. Um, we're facing things unimaginable. 
But one thing I love about what Pastor Chris said is that uh, when you look in Mark chapter 1, Jesus at the front of his ministry before it even began, he's baptized by John in the River Jordan. Great things are happening. People are watching. And immediately after that, he's taken into the wilderness, driven there by the Holy Spirit. And the time that he's there, it seems like he's alone. And then the Bible is clear that after that, the angels came and the angels came and ministered to him. Pastor Chris pointed out that no matter where we are, that God would never leave us nor forsake us. He'll be with us even until the end. Oftentimes when we go through wilderness experiences, after we have gone through and made it through, we're able to look back and say, wow, God, you did an amazing thing. But it's when we're going through the wilderness, it seems like God is hard to find. I don't know about you, but it's in those moments it's where my faith is truly tested. And I understand that after the wilderness, I can celebrate God. I can celebrate victory. But faith is not faith until I'm able to trust him when I'm facing the fire. Faith is not faith until I'm able to trust him when I'm like the Apostle Paul at Ephesus when he faced the beast and many other trying moments, when he was shipwrecked, when he was naked, when he was in peril and and, and in stressful situations. Every single one of us, if you have not gone through a wilderness, you better believe that you are eventually going to go through one. And I want to be like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I want to be like Job at the end of the day, being able to say that I know my Redeemer lives and I will see him in the land of the living. Job had a faith in the coming Messiah. He said, listen, I know my Redeemer lives. I know that my present circumstance, my present situation is beyond what I can even stand, but I know my Redeemer lives. I know that at the end of all of this, Job says that man that is born of a woman, his life is but a few days and are filled with troubles. Jesus said that in this life there will be trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Believer today, you are going to face difficult seasons, but God is with you. He is going to strengthen you. He is going to supply your every need according to what? His riches in glory. If you're here today and you're struggling, and you're in a dark season, and you don't know how you're going to get out of it, you don't know how you're going to overcome it, I want to challenge you today. Put your trust in God, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen? Thank you, Pastor Chris. I don't know about anybody else, but I am encouraged today. Amen? I'm encouraged today. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, today we're thankful. We're thankful for the word that was spoken. 
We're thankful, God, that in and through the wildernesses that we're going to face, that you're right there with us. And God, we realize that in every wilderness, there's a lesson to be learned. And we realize that after the wilderness, our faith is truly strengthened. And we're better off than we were before. And we can do more. And we understand even at a greater, in a greater way that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That testimony being, God, that you sent your son Jesus to die for our sins. That testimony being that he shed his blood for us and have empowered us by his Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you today, God, that every person under the sound of my voice, God, and in this place and throughout the rest of this week, I pray, Father, God, that you will encourage their hearts, God, that you would show them, that you would walk with them, that you would talk with them, that you will encourage them, Lord God, as they go through and as they face their week. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week.